0: Welcome to episode three of the Spectrum Lounge. Host Rebecca Theodore Vachon reviews Marvel's epic superhero crossover, Avengers Infinity War, with her panel of guests. Jerry L. Barrow, entertainment editor for BET.com, Stephanie Williams, host of the Lemonade podcast and former host of Misty Knight's Uninformed Afro, and Frederick T. Joseph, creator of the Black Panther Challenge. This episode contains major spoilers. Proceed at your own risk.
1: So, welcome back. To the Spectrum Lounge. We are joined by Jerry Albaro, who is the entertainment editor for BET.com. Yes. Um, we also have Fred Joseph, who is the creator of the Black Panther Challenge. Hi, Fred. Hey, what's going on? Hi. Um, and then we also have Stephanie Williams. She is the host of the Lemonade Show podcast and also the former uh, co host of the Misty Night Uninformed Afro podcast. Hi, Stephanie. Hey. Hi. Hey. Yeah, so guys, let's get into Infinity War. So Infinity War opened on Thursday. As of today, they're re- um, they're reporting that it is $630 million globally. So one of the highest yeah. openings. Yeah, so they're making bank. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit the billion-dollar mark.
2: Mean, no, no one thought that wasn't going to happen. Right. They knew they were going to make <laughs> yeah. that money. Come on now. 10-year <laughs> build up, 19 movies. You finally get... You know, full force Thanos. You know, right? We knew it was gonna make money. Is
1: it Thanos or Thanos? I,
2: they said both in the movie, which is crazy. I usually say Thanos, oh. and I know in Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, they call him Thanos, but I've heard he was called Thanos a couple times, so I'm gonna go with whatever is clever.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start by going around each of you, and each of you can give me your. Thoughts and opinions on okay. uh, Infinity War. So we'll, we'll start with you, Jerry, because I know you wrote a, a review of Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, I went to one of the press screenings and I was in the room and I was, you know, surrounded by this family and I was like, this is the last movie you want to have little kids with and sure enough, you know, you got <laughs> Thanos doing the you know, Wile e. Coyote to to um, Gamora off a cliff. <laughs> <And> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, damn! I would not want my kid to be sitting in the audience watching that, you know? Yes, I went right to the heart of it, right? Um, it, Let me start with the good. The good, I think it was ambitious and knowing that they had to tie together so many films and so many characters. I think they did, if we're grading on a the curve, they did a decent job of bringing everybody together without having to give you too much exposition um some people complained i saw that there wasn't enough exposition but you can't come into this movie not having seen any of the prior marvel movies i'm not even going to say you had to read the comics because that's a whole nother argument but um even if you should have at least watched the last four or five Marvel movies before you go to see Infinity War, because you'll 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 be at, you'll be that person in the theater saying, "Who's that? Why is he doing that?" Because they assume you know a certain amount about each character and their motivations because then, you know, if you've never seen Tony Stark, you don't realize it. You just think that he's being a, a dick, but you're not realizing that's who he is. Can we curse? I'm sorry. Yes, oh. <laughs> go <ahead. laughs> So, you know, I, I loved how it was set up, how it looked, but you know, we've talked about the strengths and weaknesses of comic book movies across the board. For me, it's always the strength of the, the villain determines how good or bad a movie is for me because the villains typically bring out the best or the realest parts of the hero. And Thanos, Thanos to me, Fell flat, honestly, it didn't I think more people are in love with the idea of Thanos than what he actually did. We have this big dude who is all powerful and can just lay you out with a smack or snap at a finger. but I don't feel like we got nearly enough of his backstory what his motivations were beyond just being this galactic ecologist basically <laughs> he's like he's the person who's at the at the at the conservatory he's like yo they're overbreeding. We've gotta we gotta take away some of these um gazelles or these other apex predators to let the other ones live um a little longer and to me that wasn't just that wasn't an interesting enough motivation as a villain you know every other marvel villain you know we we got we, we rile people up about killmonger but not even just killmonger like even Loki was more interesting because, you know, his, his mischief was entertaining to me. I wrote my review that um, Ultron, you know, at least he was he was maniacal. But I kind of understood why he thought humanity was his biggest threat to the earth. He wasn't exactly wrong. Killmonger, same thing. He, he, he was he was evil. He, he was, you know, low key misogynist. But you understood his motivation when he talked about imperialism. Thanos, I got none of that. I didn't get that and then also I'm seeing everybody kind of in their feelings like oh my god I need therapy I didn't get that sense of awe for a variety of reasons at the ending because I don't think any of the deaths are permanent and I didn't even see his um afterward he seemed like okay I, I trimmed the grass, and he just sat down there like he just finished cutting the lawn, and that was it. So I didn't, I, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. So, but it, I also can't give a full. I feel like we only saw half a movie, so until I see part two, I can't tell you because there's so much they could do in part two that could redeem this movie for me. But the first part, you know, kind of left me, you know, wanting more.
1: Okay, so Stephanie, what what are what are your thoughts on Infinity War? So, um, I think I'm I didn't hate it.
3: I also didn't love it either. So let me say that starting out the gate, I was really happy when um Thanos was like murkin' and collecting bodies at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that meant a lot to me because I'm like, Y'all not about to have this movie and nobody's gonna die. So, um, in the very beginning, unfortunately, because it was Hemdale who got it first, I was happy about that. So I was like, At least they are committing to Thanos is here, so people should die. Um, but the rest of the film, it was a summation of the last ten years, and by that I mean all the characters stayed true to their character, and also uh, just the way that the MCU has written women has it really stayed true to character. I mean, <laughs> Gamora got fridged. Uh, you know, Scarlet Witch was angry and sad the entire time, and. It's unfortunate that the only scene that i really really cared for only happened only lasted a little bit and that was with um okio um scar i mean yeah okio scarlet witch and um like when they were fighting proxima What is her? yeah proxima which uh, i don't know about <laughs> they both probably should have been um on their way to the upper room um Hill and Black Widow, Scarlet really saved them. But I like that little that little team up, that little dynamic. I mean, that little duo or trio, I should say. But we didn't get a lot of that. It was just really just, you know, the men were the focus of the um, film. Thanos is a terrible father, and Thanos as a villain, I don't, I don't know how I feel about him. Right, because I felt like they could have went a route of um, space Wilson Fisk. Because in the Infinity Gauntlet, the the comic, you know, his motivations are solely to please death. And I don't know why they didn't go ahead to stick with that. Because that would have been a little bit maybe interesting, I guess. And mm-hmm. we have, like, this guy, his his main determination is to please this entity that really wants nothing to do with him anyway. So, I don't know. But the whole, you know, let's get rid of half the universe because it can't sustain itself or so i believe that it can't um was just it was lazy Mm -hmm. not like i didn't give a shit because even though like i was kind of shook here and there when different um avengers left us at the end of of the movie i was just like all right so where is part
1: two (laughs) 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 so what is part two so what did you think fred what did you think of infinity war
4: so i guess i will be the one um person who really enjoyed it
0: mm-hmm.
4: i um i loved it i i loved every part of it because you know so i hear both of you i hear what everyone's saying so far right and i actually just got into um a twitter beef earlier today over rebecca's tweets about killmonger and um danos but you know for me i i think that killmonger is probably my favorite villain Mm -hmm. Um, in the MCU thus far. But I'm also a black man who identifies with a lot of his story, right? Right. So Right. So for me, you know, getting where he's coming from in terms of living in this imperialist and white supremacist society and seeing, you know, how a Wakanda could potentially liberate people, I got that. Now for Thanos, I went in With something completely different, I I love Thanos because he for me was like the contradiction and the and the direct opposite of everything you used to get in like the Power Rangers, where it was like you know every episode they would have like a big baddie and beat them. This entire film left me anxious, weak, sad, mourning. I was nervous the entire film. I just. I think for the first time, the MCU captured this feeling of what's next. How are they going to get out of it? You know, to Jerry's point, I think, and actually I'm not sure who made the point. My apologies. But to a point that was made earlier, it was like, okay, I don't think they should have killed Black Panther and Spider-Man because we already know, you know, for those of us who are focused on um, what the MCU is doing going forward, we know they're getting a part two to their films. I mean, Black Panther just broke all sorts of records, so obviously he's getting a part two. But, like, I really felt as though if they hadn't killed the two of them, I I don't know who's coming back. I don't know how they're coming back. It left me in a state of confusion, angst. And, you know, Thanos really felt absolutely unbeatable and devastating the entire film. I think starting it with, you know, you have two of your strongest heroes in Thor and the Hulk, and he like put the beats on the Hulk. I mean, like he he gave the Hulk all importance. Like I mean, I'm watching it and I'm saying, I'm in the theater. I'm like, oh shit! I'm like, I'm like, the Hulk legitimately was so fucking scared of Thanos. He's like, no, I'm not coming back. I refuse. He's like, I don't want, I don't want no smoke. So like, you know, for me, you haven't had that yet not only in the mcu I haven't had it in any superhero film that i've ever seen where uh, arguably your strongest character who doesn't give a fuck about anything is like listen i'm not fucking with this dude i'm i refuse mm. so i get what everyone's saying but i think when the basic level of the powers and the devastation of thanos i i loved it did
1: mm.
2: <sighs> but that goes to my point of I feel like I'm not saying you specifically it's this idea of Thanos that I think that drives everyone's like oh my god he's the one person that stopped the whole Avengers nobody can stop him he's just a movable force but I think as a character I, I that wasn't enough for me because Civil War raised the bar in the writing for the MCU for me because you had a villain we were talking about this on the way here that dismantled them from the inside with no powers he just came with receipts and that, to me, was great writing and great storytelling. Daniels is basically a bull in a china shop. You can't stop him. That's it. And to me, that's just not a compelling enough story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, to watch, it's great. Right. You know, watching him hem up the Hulk, and we need to talk about the Hulk.
1: Right. Um oh, And yeah. the way
2: they did did him dirty. Mm. <laughs> they had him in the trailer fighting in Wakanda, Wakanda and then just was nowhere there. Mm. It was Bruce in a suit. And there were just so many great you know things they they missed out on and not having to hulk in some of the more of those battles but that to me i'm i still feel like people are more enamored with the idea of thanos than what he actually did on screen
1: yeah i i mean the the thing with me is um and this is just me i mean i liked infinity war but i didn't love it it's not going to make my top five list of mcu movies it's just not um and i think but but the, the reasons why i have issues with it is actually a compliment to the mcu right because we've had civil war um thor ragnarok and then um black panther right so we had these three movies between 2016 And up to two months ago when Black Panther came out, they have really like these these three movies to me have really upped the ante of the kind of storytelling that Marvel can do. Like with Civil War, like I've watched Civil War at least 10 times. Every time I watch Civil War, I always walk away conflicted. Sometimes I'll be on Tony's side, and other times I'll be on Steve's side, and then I think that was the beauty of that storyline is that no one was really right, and nobody was really wrong. Well, both were right, and both were wrong. Let me let me let me put it that way. Um, and so I think that's why Civil War was was just so resonant to me, um, and not to mention the fact that th- it didn't go with the canon of the actual Civil War comic book, um, the screenwriters basically fit it into the modern political um, times that we live in. So it, it to me, it was more it was more modern, it was more relevant. Um, Thor Ragnarok, Jesus. I mean, listen, the Thor tra- the Thor franchise to me was always sort of the Achilles heel of the MCU to me. While I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor, his first two movies were weak tea. And then here comes uh, Taika Waititi, um this New Zealand director who's like, "You know what? I'm going to I can't do anything worse to the Thor franchise. So let me let me let me, <laughs> let me reboot it." And then we got like this this gorgeous intergalactic soap opera is basically like Flash Gordon on crack you know what I'm saying and so many different references like you could see Conan the Barbarian or whatever and Taika is really smart you know what I mean and so th- and so that's smart telling and then going into Black Panther Jesus like to me and I think this is why I, my brain is still recalibrated in Wakandan. you know what I mean because to me black panther is a ryan coogler movie that just happens to be a superhero movie you know what i mean because marvel just basically gave him the reins and was like you can do what you want and i think one of the things um and stephanie i'll I'll have you chime in on this with black panther i think black panther kind of showed us some of the weaknesses of the previous MCU movies, right? Um, You had a movie that was very feminist in tone. While it is a Black Panther movie, you can hardly find a scene in Black Panther where there is not a woman in there. Sometimes two or three. And Mm -hmm. these are women that have agency, that have autonomy. They're not just the love interest. They're not the damsels in distress. They are driving the story. You know what I mean? And I remember there was one scene, the the casino fight, which was excellent. Mm -hmm. It was a little thing, but Mm -hmm. to me that showed me how Ryan is always thinking about women um that was the scene where okoye and uh nakia were gonna chase after um claw mm-hmm. right and then nakia stops and she was like oh what about T'Challa? And he was like she was like he'll catch up <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's a little thing but right. it just showed like these women were like we're we're on we're on the case right you know he's got you know shuri he'll mm-hmm. be okay right. you know what i'm saying and so the thing with me is that marvel is not just the the racial dynamic but the 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 feminist dynamic of what a superhero movie can look like and when I looked at Infinity War after that it was like it was like that, it was yeah wracking. like there were there were there was a scene that scene in New York where it was totally men it was it was Tony Peter Parker Spider-Man um, Wong Dr. Strange and Bruce hmm. right the only pe- person we saw was Pepper In the beginning, and she's busy talking about why can't we have a baby, Mm -hmm. right? And then that whole scene after that was just dudes with all
2: all the talk of balance there was very little balance in the movie
1: yeah well can you talk a little bit about that stuff because i i know we had a discussion about that yeah no um I, i agree with
3: all of that and then too like i just wonder with infinity war by the time we got it got to it it's 10 years in the making right and it shows us just what exactly the mcu has been doing with the inception of a thor ragnarok and a black panther it's, it's, it's very true to what they've been doing for the past 10 years. So, in a way, I'm not even surprised that it was just so unbalanced when it comes to the contributions of men and women in the movie. And then, again, Gamora getting thrown off like, what? What did you say, Wiley? <laughs> like, some, like an acne rocket? So And you have that happening. Um, so... Like I wonder, um, whenever they decided to make this shift, like they're trying to head in in uh, phase four, you can tell that they're. I I would hope with the success of Black Panther and the way that that was received, and also Thor Ragnarok, um, and just you know the roles of the women in the movies. Like I wonder if that had anything to do with how the post-credit scene.
1: Because mm-hmm. I was telling
3: you about Captain Marvel, and even though like they didn't have Adam Warlock, who actually is the guy who ends up defeating Thanos, and flipping that and putting in Captain Marvel so that um, instead of your Tony Stark or your Captain America saving the day, I'm just, just theorizing, mm-hmm. um, you would go forth and have Captain Marvel do that. And I just wonder what they're going to do with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, is that going to be balanced? Yeah. So and I, so then I wonder for part two of Infinity um, Infinity War, um, will that start to show a little bit more balance? Then because Infinity War is off balance as hell. Mm. So I'm wondering um, for the part two, I would be very curious to see if that has a little bit more balance, and then that honestly probably would tell me what to really kind of expect and look for in phase four
1: right um so so let's talk about and um some of the storylines and you guys can chime in and tell me um what the weaknesses are or, or whether you liked it um one of my issues and you touched on this jerry was the depiction of bruce banner and the hulk I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if the screenwriters got into a fight with Mark Ruffalo or he owes them money, but it was so badly written. It was so badly written because, again, going back to Ragnarok, one of the things that I loved about the screenwriters and, and with Taika is that it this was sort of like this fully fleshed um, storyline of both Bruce and the Hulk. Like this is the most complex and full uh, full uh, fleshed fleshed out characterization that I've seen of the Hulk in a while you know what I'm saying and, and and I felt that both Bruce and the Hulk were equally compelling in Ragnarok and then watching Infinity War it was almost as if they kind of forgot all of that right. and just kind of like they made Bruce look like a buffoon
2: right the thing that works for most comic movies is when the hero loses the thing that makes him special right. Spotty loses the suit Thor loses the hammer um, you know Cap loses the shield, you know, They and then they find out even in the cartoons, remember the Green Lantern, John, there was that episode where he didn't have his ring and he had to just be mm-hmm. human. Um, so you find out what really makes them what their metal is. And I was looking forward to us seeing, OK, you can't be the Hulk. Show us how you are valuable as Dr. Banner. And they totally didn't do that. They basically threw him in a Hulkbuster suit and said, you know, go have at it. And um, that was disappointing to me because it, it felt again, it felt unbalanced. It felt like a, a missed opportunity to show us more of what he's capable of and how he fits into this team. Because it reminded me of um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, there was the um, Dr. Jekyll and Hyde character, and there was that one scene where he was saying he was trying to repress the Hyde character. He's like, "No, I won't let him take advantage of me." and Dorian Gray just says, well, what are, what good are you then? You know, you're supposed to be our muscle. So if you're Dr. Banner and you're supposed to be the muscle and you're taken out in the first two minutes, what what's your purpose then? What, show us what makes you valuable. And they totally didn't do that.
1: Right. Well, how do you feel? What, what did you think of the Bruce Buh- uh, Hulk characterization, Fred?
2: I agree with
4: that hundred percent. It was one of my major points um, coming out of the film. I don't think that they've done him justice at all up until Ragnarok. And you didn't get any of that in this, obviously, mm-hmm. he wasn't in it. Uh, epic fail on their part, because we finally got a Hulk that you know, audience can latch onto. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very surprised that they did that, and I'm disappointed especially so because of the fact that in the comics I'm not saying he should beat Thanos at all, but they have a really good battle in a lot of the comics, where they go blow for blow, hand for hand, And remember, you know, the Hulk's entire premise is that the more angry he gets, um, the stronger he gets. So I would have loved to see him very angry maybe after they had fought in New York City. Maybe when they were at Wakanda, have a little moment where he goes toe-to-toe with Thanos, Mm -hmm. inevitably loses, you know, but...
1: Yeah, you know, the thing is, um, (laughs) that scene where they had Bruce in the Hulkbuster suit... And, um, you know, I was kind of expecting, because uh, there was a part where he starts fighting with those alien things or whatever, and I thought that it would have been fantastic to see him turn into the Hulk and literally bust out of the Hulkbuster. That is, like, you guys had a missed opportunity like that <laughs> to see him hulking out of the Hulkbuster. I'm like, how did you guys miss that opportunity? That is so... Obvious,
2: so Freudian, so yeah, right. I would agree. that would have been awesome.
1: Yeah, and then I, I, I think, um, um, Stephanie, you were talking, and that, that was another beef of mine. Was like, where the hell was Adam Warlock? Um I know they had an interview with the screenwriters and they were sort of like, well, we didn't feel that he was necessary, you know, in the storyline, but I was like there's a couple of storylines that I would have gladly taken away from some people in Infinity Water and given that to Adam Warlock because they they now Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, I did not like it. But I felt like the, one of the two best things in Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2 were the the two post credits, right? The one with the Ravagers, right? And I I kinda hope that they bring them back for part two because most of the Guardians of the Galaxy are gone now right they went with the quickening mm. <laughs> right <laughs> so I you know, like I just wanna see Michelle Yo like fuck some people up cuz mm. you know they're sort of like your the OG Guardians of the Galaxy and I would assume that as you know as long as they've been in space they might have some intel on Thanos or Thanos you know what I'm saying and then yeah but with Adam Warlock the other great post credit um, was when they showed Adam Warler, where you see the and she they're like oh what are you going to call him and she said Adam and I yelled so loud in the theater and people were like who is that? I'm like, dude, it's Adam Warlock. And they, they the people were, like, automatically, like, Googling it, and they were like, oh, shit! You know what I mean? So it's like, why did you not capitalize on Adam Warlock?
2: I'm hoping it's in part two, We'll see.
1: Yeah. I'm telling y'all, I'm mm-hmm. really, I mean, that's my
3: conspiracy theory, is that they're really trying to, I don't even want to say necessarily right the ship, but I mm-hmm. think they're really trying to make Captain Marvel that Iron Man for the next power many phases like i really because i mean that's the only thing i can think of why you wouldn't introduce an adam warlock right yeah it's the only thing i can think of
1: yeah and i mean i i i'm really looking forward to captain marvel and i think that's because i think that's where phase four is going to it's going to be more diverse right like Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm hoping that phase four will kind of be built around black panther um, Captain Marvel, but I also hope too that we're not gonna get all the men are black and all the women are white. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, like I, you know, we 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 have some amazing characters from Black Panther, which is great. We have Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy, and Jerry and I, you were you and I were talking about that. I I love the actress who plays Mantis. I'm just confused as to this and maybe Steph you can tell me. This characterization of Mantis is very confusing to me. Like, why is she so childlike? they made
2: her a geisha. That's what I didn't like about her. Oh yeah. Well she she her, her mannerisms were just so docile and meek and as like, and she was the one that actually had the mental fortitude to stop Thanos so mm-hmm. why is that so again imbalanced yeah um, we gotta talk about the quick The I call it the leftovers <laughs> 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 everyone goes from ashes to ashes right. to like is this really gonna stick well
1: Steph can you give us like, like what the way that Mantis is portrayed like what what do you think I mean again I mean we can't it's always- garbage uh, mm? okay
3: <laughs> because the Mantis that I'm familiar with she walks around with two daggers and she's ready to stab somebody you know Mm -hmm. anybody can get it but no I I don't care for the fact that they went the the geisha route because yeah it's just garbage
1: yeah and I've seen and I think we saw this stuff with some of our Asian American women uh film critics that that was something that they really called out when Guardians Mm -hmm. of Galaxy 2 came out so I'm hoping maybe in oh well (laughs) going to the quickening (laughs) right so so let's talk about the ones that were Vapored, and the ones that are staying stay, well, stay I behind.
2: Ha- we talked I, before the film even came out. I had this unpopular theory mm. that anyone could get it because in the comics they've all had people pick up the mantle.
1: Yes, of I- right.
2: Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and Black Panther have Spider Man too have always have had other people take over for them. So who's to say that these deaths? Okay, let's play the devil's advocate. They're permanent. Okay, T'Challa's gone. Mm -hmm. shuri takes over as black panther okay would that be the worst thing to happen would that would that actually be the worst it's a little sooner than i anticipated (laughs) because i think like you said you Mm -hmm. told they foreshadow it in black panther when she's in in her lab right there's three suits right black t'challa picked one yeah killmonger picked the picked one the Uh gold one and i think there was a there wasn't there i thought there was a third
1: i think it was two it was it was the two of them looking at two black panther suits
2: Okay. It, okay. It, that just reminded me of that scene in Iron Man when you saw the multiple suits which foreshadowed um, War Machine. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was like, okay, Shuri's going to be... Wash Machine? Wash Machine? <laughs> <laughs> so the worst thing it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have Shuri be Black Panther or Miles Morales be Spider-Man. Right. Or something. So it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen. But right them dying wouldn't be the worst thing just, right. be, just because there's a, a black panther sequel coming doesn't mean it's going to be t'challa
1: mm. just
2: because there's a spider-man sequel coming doesn't mean it's going to be peter parker mm. you know just yeah. be, we got thor well thor's still alive but mm-hmm. there have been different thors yeah. you know so yeah. i don't know with, with a little imagination who knows they might set up
1: yeah i don't know i just mm-hmm. i mean as far as the um characters that were quickened mm. um i'm just not like there was no emotional like <gasps> you know what i mean like when t'challa disappeared i was like you gonna be back someone
2: literally yelled <laughs> out I in my screening when
1: falcon disappeared, <laughs> when <laughs> falcon disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> someone
0: yelled yeah That's right what
4: <laughs> I, I forgot <laughs> I think every I think every black person in the world clapped with Falcon disappeared I was like yeah Falcon <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That,
1: you know but uh, again like Falcon is an interesting character I think the problem is like the person that got cast as uh, Falcon like I feel like if someone like Trevante Rhodes had been cast as Falcon we'd probably be having a different conversation Good pick. and not only that I think um, because we do know uh, the, I do think that Chris evans will be stepping away from captain america because you know right now he's doing um a play on broadway which is why he has that horrible porn tash he had to grow up for the role, and so you know sebastian stan did let it slip a couple of years ago when he did uh winter soldier that he's locked into a nine picture deal right so that tells me that he he could possibly be the one to pick up the captain america shield After Steve, I have some issues with that because I'm like, you're a little cray-cray. Although they're saying that, you know, Shuri healed him up or whatever. Um, But, you know, we do know that Sam Wilson has become Captain America at one point. But I just don't see Anthony Mackie being Captain America. Again, if it was a different actor, we'd have a different story.
4: I agree with that. I think that any other person playing um, Falcon would have been amazing, except for Anthony Mackie because he's (laughs) trash. But... (laughs) But, you know, it's funny because I don't know if it was me and you talking about this, Rebecca. Yes. I can see Trevante Rhodes playing, I, and I forget his name right now. Mm-hmm. The character that we found out was part of, like, the, um, similar to, like, the Siski, um Oh, the Patriot. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's either Isaiah Bradley. It's the Bradley family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Isaiah mm-hmm. Bradley. I
4: can see Trevante Rhodes doing that. He'd be perfect.
1: Um, he'd be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like,
4: absolutely. But the whole telling, I'm like, listen. T'Challa can bust your ass. You so lucky mm-hmm. that T'Challa is asking you to yield because T'Challa whooped that ass, boy. Right. But when it came to Thanos, I'm like, listen, can't nobody beat my
1: man. Right. Nobody. I nobody. mean, but then that becomes a. I'm. I'm. I've been trying not to talk about it because I tweeted that Killmonger was a better villain than Thanos or whatever, and apparently people are in their feelings about it. Um, and fuck y'all but I'm just saying like I think everybody is entitled to their opinion because uh, I think what what we think makes a compelling villain um, varies from person to person. You know what I'm saying. So I, I I totally understand why people think that Thanos or Thanos is like the most compelling MCU villain. I I can get that. I can understand why people would feel that Loki or whatever. Because I think it's depending on, on what your the lens that you're looking at or or how you're measuring it. Um, for me, for Killmonger, it was really. And I think, Fred, you said that is the is the relatability, right? I think what made Killmonger so seductive um, in his agenda was the fact that part of us, particularly as black people, were like, he's kind of right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, his means of doing that were fucked up. That's where he became villainous. But I think to me, like the best villains from watching movies and television, to me, the best villains are the ones where you can see yourself in them. You know what I mean, and and to me, Thanos is just sort of like a blank slate, like you said, bull in the china shop. Like he's there, but I didn't. And somebody tweeted this. I, I'm gonna have to find the tweet, but somebody said this, and I totally agree with them. They were like, if <laughs> Thanos had just watched Cloudy Chance, <laughs> Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, it's like you're saying there's not enough resources or food or water. You could just have it rain potatoes, right? And so, you know, for me. Thanos having the time and reality gems you could have solved the things that you were beefing about oh you're saying there's not enough food or water oh well you can change time and reality you can change that you know what I'm saying so then that's why to me his motivations were weak because they were his motivation was easily solvable you know what I mean? Oh, so that,
2: It was Dragonfly Jones.
1: Thank you, at, Dragonfly at Jones. Dragonfly
2: Jones. He Thank said, you. If Thanos wanted to kill half the universe because there's not enough resources to go around, but genocide ain't the answer, man. Why not make it rain potatoes or some shit? All of this could have been prevented if only he'd watch Cloudy with a chance of meatballs.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is why I was saying that they mm. probably really should have stuck to his motivation wanting to please death. Yes, because at least you have the messiness there, um, mm-hmm. and you can just, you know, again, Wilson Fisk, light, mm-hmm. um, kind of, you know, go about that story a little bit, like you, like you, yeah, he could have watched Cloudy with a
1: Chance
2: of Meatballs and
3: just got his life together.
2: Could you imagine Hela and Thanos going back and forth? Oh my that God,
1: that's a movie in itself. Oh. I would love to watch. <laughs> Kate Blanchett is actually one of my favorite MCU villains. I mean, she's the the first woman villain in the MCU, and she. That would
2: have been epic, but Uh, she might show. I'm I'm holding up hope she shows up in part two Mm -hmm. because
1: how do you kill death? You can't.
2: So yeah,
1: I mean the the the, the planet blew up in Ragnarok, but yeah, that's true. How how do you kill death? So she's around somewhere. I think she'll be back. I hope so. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up our inter our our review of Infinity War. I'm sure you guys will be getting some very spicy tweets.
2: Oh, they don't (laughs) care about me. beautiful smoke don't get gathered all oh, right
1: right right <laughs> <laughs> all right so thank you to fred joseph stephanie williams and jerry barrow for joining me thank you bye
0: thank you for joining us for another episode of the spectrum lounge if you're on twitter you can find all of our guests jerry l barrow at J.L. Barrow, Frederick T. Joseph, at Fred T. Joseph, and Stephanie Williams at Steph underscore I underscore Will. You can also find our host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, at Film Fatale underscore NYC. You can help support the Spectrum Lounge by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash Film underscore n y c the intro music to this week's episode of the spectrum lounge is courtesy of dangerous and the outro music courtesy of lone les both artists can be found on youtube thank you for listening until next time